Hey everybody, it's Lou Zant. And this is Meredith Griffin. You know what it is today, Meredith? It's our final episode of yeah. season four. Can you believe that? Like we day st- before yesterday we started this. I know. It's been almost two years since we started Major Crush. God. Can that, you believe that? It's flying. It's, it's flying. Totally flying. Well, we uh, thought we had a great season four. We had some Gee, amazing Christmas. winemakers. And... I always reflect back to our, our Italian wine girl who kicked off the season and was fantastic. Terrific. Gosh, she was so good. I want to go to Italy and soak up all the wine and her information. Like tomorrow. Yeah. I, I want to go tomorrow. Yeah. Um, it was just a great season. It was, you know, and it seemed like for the first time people came to us, you know, like we didn't yeah. go out like we yeah. usually do, you know? Yeah. Just some great people. Yeah, they wanted to come chat about wine with us. Yeah, and what a way to end our season with Uh, this one, huh? We are so honored for Angelina Mondavi to join us for our final episode. Rock star. How awesome and fun was she to talk to? Oh, just... I didn't want it to end, you know. No. We we and it was a little bit of a struggle because we had to do it long distance, and everybody was phoning in, and there was you know yeah. some tough production that Sonya had to really work on. But she's a man. magician and made it work. So. Yeah, I know. But Angelina, man, what a story! You know, her family's the royalty of of Napa yeah. Valley. You know, yeah. And she alludes to what it's like having that last name growing up. So. You're going to really enjoy this episode, and you're going to want to stick around to the end if you entered the Corvin competition. Oh, yeah. We got a big announcement today. We've got a winner in our Corvin giveaway. Yeah. So listen to this fantastic interview with Angelina, and then we'll catch up with you at the end to announce the winner. And if you missed out on the uh, Corvin giveaway, make sure you stay uh, on to our and subscribe to our uh, Major Crush podcast Yep. community on facebook and yep. instagram at major crush winecast at major crush wines facebook instagram join us follow us you'll get all the information and the scoop of what's to come in the next season or over the we summer. may or may not be doing another giveaway we might and who knows we have some exciting plans for the summer too i love it stay tuned Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Major Crush Winecast. This is Meredith Griffin. And I'm Lou Zam. Welcome to one of our uh, final episodes of season four. Uh, we, uh, we're saving some of the best for the last and we are so excited today, Lou, right? Oh man, I am so fired up. I just love the wines that this lady makes and uh, her, her talents are ridiculous. And it's uh, Angelina Mandavi, man. We're just so excited. Now she's going to be kind of my new neighbor in a way and uh, and uh, work in the vineyard right out here, out back. And, and I can't wait to hear a little bit more about it. But uh, thank you so much for being a part of this today. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time to join join us. We're so excited to uh, chat wine and Earth Day and all kinds of things with you today. Thanks for having me, you guys. This is awesome. You, you bet. So I got a, I got one big question. <laughs> what in the world? At ten years of age, you were already working in a winery at, at Krug. Yeah, yeah. So um, our whole family, we had um, a policy that um, instead of actually, you know, going to camp on the week, you know, during the summer months, it was 
smarter for us to actually learn work ethic and um, start working at the spry age of 10. So we were pulling samples and um, for the lab to run analysis. Um, and then shortly after that, we were really learning how to run all the analysis. So any any wine analysis that was required, whether it was running the alcohol um, with a bullyometer, which is like totally old school. I'm pretty certain most winemakers don't even know what that is today, um, <laughs> unless you're my age or older. So it's really kind of gnarly and kind of fun. Um, and, you know, and we did a myriad of different things, setting up for tastings when our grandfather and our dad and our uncle had, um, wine tastings to do, um, we would have to set those up. Um, you know, we learned everything, you know, how to clean and how to work a pump and sanitize everything. So, you know, it was really kind of cool. And then the other caveat was we had all had 401ks at the age of 10, so we had to put our earnings into the 401k and really learn about um, taxes um, oh. at the lovely age of 10 years old. And if you <laughs> wanted to spend any of your money, you had to give a presentation on what exactly you wanted to spend it on and what its pros and cons are. So we really learned early on how to really kind of moderate our money and, and, and finances and be a little bit more frivolous with our money. <laughs> well, that's... So great. I think probably more kids should learn that. I, I would imagine that's really valuable information to start at 10 years old understanding. I guarantee it. It's a great yeah. idea. God, that's crazy. I know. I love it. Wow, so, that's awesome. Well, they, I, my other, I got a second question. I lied. I, I, I got another one. <laughs> Go You're going to let me to ask any questions? No. Yeah. Um, so, like, is 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 that when you fell in love with wine? And you know, I mean, I you probably got ner- uh, uh, weaned on on, uh, on a glass of wine. So, um, so as as little kids, we you know we were we were really we weren't bottle fed it, but we were definitely had the luxury of being able to have half water, half wine um, at happy hour with the adults, as long as we were on our best behavior. Um, and I think, you know, from there, you know, growing up on the winery property at Charles Krug. So we had three houses actually on the property. Um, so our grandma and grandpa lived at one and then my dad and my mom and all of us kids lived in one of the other ones. And then my uncle, um, actually lived, um, in the third house. So it was really kind of like a family compound in addition to being on, you know, on the winery. But I think, you know, when you grow up, you know, waking up at four o'clock in the morning and hopping on the harvester, you know, when you're 10 years old, you know, and sneaking out of the house and helping grandpa with the night harvesting, you know, it's just, I don't know, you just become ingrained in it, but you also really learn the passion that my grandfather had for the industry. Not everyone has that luxury of being able to be so integrated into the wine world at such a young age. Um, especially because we lived on the property as well. Initially, you thought when you went off to college that you might do went on the forensics path? Yeah. Is that was that true? Yeah, I I'm really science oriented, so my brain really works with science extremely well. So, um I had a couple of avenues that I could have gone down in college, um and then 9/11 really happened and really kind of changed the course and my my mindset of what I really wanted to do. Um, and I really realized I didn't never wanted to have an office that was basically inside and in a cubicle with everyone else. Um, I really loved being out in the vineyards and and driving around and and checking the fruit and being in the cellar and 
and just being a little bit more hands on. So my role kind of as I got older, really kind of transformed into me really want to be wanting to become a winemaker. Um, but also understanding my history that I was taught a lot of things, but I didn't understand why things were done that way until I actually went to graduate school. So I went to University of Adelaide in South Australia, where I got my master's in winemaking or enology is what we actually call it. And um, it wasn't until then that I really started calling my grandfather and asking questions and being like, okay, so when I was taught when I was earlier, this is what we would do. Why? why did you choose that versus doing it this way? And having conversations like that, I think were really helpful, but also having that background and that experience of working in the cellar for so many years and working in the lab, you really got to see a whole different perspective than what most people actually get to see early on. So I love to dive into what took you to Australia? Because I mean, that it's one of my dream places to visit, but I would love to hear about your time in Australia and wh- why Australia. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think the important thing to know is when I was actually going and applying to graduate school, I really wanted to focus on going to a school that actually had a program that you could learn hands on and actually had a physical winery. At this at that time, obviously, Davis didn't really have a winery of its own, but nor did I really want to go to UC Davis with my last name slapped all over buildings. Yeah. Um, it just felt like that was just, it wasn't right uh, for me to do that because everyone would have thought I had a free ride. And I mm-hmm. never wanted to be looked at that way. Um, and I actually found Australia um, d- through research and really, really was like, you know, I could totally do this. And I think this would be fun. And I'm young enough. Let's go. And I ended up going and it was the best decision I could have ever made. Um, I worked um, for quite a few wineries down in Australia, and um, really kind of learned how the other side of the world really runs their operations, because they're very different from how we run things here in California, Um, substantially different, Um, different technology, Um, And they also have the government kind of backing them up. So, you know, money is really kind of no option for them when it comes to winemaking because wine over in Australia is such a huge proponent of, of their industry and their workforce. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. It was really kind of fascinating. I mean, being able to work with um, equipment that you actually don't even see here at all. um, They, some may have brought them over, but they did not last very long Um, just because um, stylistically we just make things a little bit different here in California than, than what happens in Australia. But I learned so much and I absolutely love it. The people are who um, I definitely had my heyday down there for sure. Great people. (laughs) Great. I I agree. Great people. Uh, Yeah. I've never met a mean Aussie. I've never met an Aussie I didn't enjoy. And I've never met an Aussie who didn't know how to drink. (laughs) That is very true. (laughs) (laughs) Don't ever go go head to head with one. Trust me. Oh, I I know better than that. Um, Sparkling ale. That will do you. (laughs) It's it's 8% ABV. So oh. the hard way. <laughs> oh, wow. Is there an example, like a specific example of something 
I know you talked about the government and the financial part of it, but is there like a specific thing in technology to give an example of how different it is? Um, yeah. So um, some of the some of the interesting um, ideas they have their vessels that they use over there are just slightly different, a little bit a little bit more. Um, everything's less. You don't require on humans as much as what we do here in California. Um, so for them, labor, when I was, when I was actually in school there and studying and, and working, labor is very difficult, was very, very difficult to actually come by. So the mechanization is, was tenfolds ahead of where we are here in California. Um, remarkably so. Um, I remember when we were actually, um, I was fortunate enough to be able to drive, uh, one of the harvesters and learn how to drive one of the harvesters. And it was the first prototype of a machine harvester that actually has optical sorting on the line. Um, oh, wow. on the, wow. it was unbelievable to actually witness it, but to also be able to drive it and to really understand, um, the uniqueness behind it. And, you know, I grew up, we grew up with machine harvesters around here, but we also have, we had at one point great labor ability. So watching California going back to where they're actually starting to, people are starting to implement machine harvesters again, but with the optical sorting option now, and you honestly can't tell the difference. I think it's actually in some, in some regards, it's actually cleaner than a human actually going through and handpicking. Wow. It's quite remarkable. That's crazy. Where, 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 whereabouts were you in Australia, by the way? Um, I was actually in Barossa Valley. And then I eventually, after graduate school, I actually ended up going, moving to Margaret River and working over in Margaret River. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I got to taste a bunch of those Australian wines when they were they had an Australian day in uh, in San Francisco, and it was amazing. Fun. And and what was weird is every bottle had a screw cap. Yes, they've had screw caps going back to the sixties. They yeah. were the first to actually do prototypes, and I think for me it was a huge eye opener. Um, actually, having my dad with me and meeting, the, you know some of the legends over there. Um, Peter Lehman, who was a legend like my grandfather, but over in Australia. And watching him actually sit down with us and show us um, some wine, um, I believe it was Riesling and then a little bit of Semillon that were under screw cap from 1964 prototypes and actually tasting them. And my mind was blown. It was so unexpected. But here in California, no one had even talked about screw caps and that nuance. I still do love you know, being able to pop that cork and hearing that cork on, you know, my reds, but you know, I'm okay. I'm starting to, you know, my mind was changed when Peter Lehman opened up a 1964 uh, Riesling under screw cap. And it was stunningly beautiful. I mean, I, I can go back to that wine every day for the rest of my life and know that, wow, it, that was what really changed our mind. And we actually came home and that's when our family started discussing switching or Sauvignon Blanc to screw cap. Um, I, I love it. I, I had a $950 bottle of, of Grange. Uh, yeah, yep. And it, it was screw cap. Yeah. And of course, needless to say, that was pretty delicious. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that, wine, that wine's killer. Those guys in Henschke, man. Those are, uh, those are my two faves um, over there. And then Mosswood as well. So I kind of have a few faves if I can ever get my hands on them here in the States. I feel like I have to go back to Australia and and hoard a little bit and take 
Like <laughs> we try to sneak in about 12 bottles home so I can drink them and enjoy them. Well, I think Meredith and I will probably go with you on that. We've been itching to, to do that. So how did you end up at Villanova? Like all the way um, back east. Yeah, that's a great, that's actually a great story. Um, I always knew I wanted to go, I wanted to go to the East Coast. And again, it really just kind of rolls back to, I wanted to get as far away from my family as possible. Um, <laughs> I always had that bug and that independence and all my sisters are like that as well. And so it's really kind of no surprise, but um, I applied to mostly schools on the East Coast. I applied to three schools um, here in California, but I was also being um, actually looked at for softball as well. So I, I had I had full rides coming in from different schools that I wasn't necessarily expecting um, because let's face it, women's sports, you, you kind of go through high school. If you're lucky, you might play a division one sport in college, but where that leads you afterwards is usually not in the pros. Um, so I kind of knew that that wasn't really the avenue that I wanted to go. And my focus was really going into chemistry and focusing on the science background. And um, I walked on Villanova's campus and I absolutely fell in love with it. And I had, I was really lucky because, because I was being scouted for sports. Um, I was really lucky because I got to do kind of like what they call a sleepover, so to speak, but it's not really a sleepover. It's you get a, you basically get a day with another college student and you're without the parents and you really get to see and interact with the coaches, but you're also getting to interact with kind of the department that you're really looking at studying in. So I was in the science room and I just absolutely fell in love with it. And it, Villanova felt right for me. So That's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. That's yeah, really I, cool. I, I still love that school. And um, I, obviously, March Madness, I like live, eat, breathe, sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course. They've, yeah. Had some, they've had some unbelievable teams. Okay. Now, this is another one, Matt. You've got such a crazy <laughs> deal. Forensic science? Yeah. Yeah. What the heck? I know science is totally my jam, and um, yeah, I was just fascinated by everything. I was fascinated by you know how um, the body works, but also how other things actually work as well. Um, and I think you know it's kind of it's kind of interesting and it's kind of important too because if you don't really know the root you know the root causes of why certain things react the way that they do, you know you you'll never be able to figure it out. And I think um, with science there isn't there's a lot of unknown, but there's also so much that is already known. Um, and it's just very intriguing. It's always been intriguing. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. crazy. That's what my major was. Well, biological sciences, because I'm like you, it's the only thing that interested me, really. Yeah, it just mm -hmm. clicks. If it clicks in your brain and it works, that's awesome. But none of my sisters are science oriented. They all, they, they see science and they like run the opposite direction. <laughs> <laughs> kind of that's great. <sighs> So after you spent your time in Australia, how and how long were you in Australia? Um, I was in Australia for three and a half years for that stint. Oh. And okay. then um, I actually ended up coming home. I applied to um, a little over 200 wineries um, for an assistant winemaking position. And I only heard from one. And that was Pine Ridge. And oh, I ended up getting one. hired as their assistant winemaker. And um, I worked under the tutelage of Stacey Clark, who was there at the time. 
Um, since then, uh, Stacy's actually left Pine Ridge and she actually works for my family at Charles Krug now as our winemaker. So I get to work with her often um, now. And um, we always kind of just giggle about it because I don't feel like anything's really changed between our dynamics. Um, we both really kind of understand the science and kind of look at stuff. And um, and then shortly after that, I was actually um, I was actually broached um, by an individual to come and be their assistant winemaker for a Napa Colt winery, um, who shall remain unnamed. And I worked for him for five and a half years, um, traveling the world, making wine in um, predominantly Argentina and Australia, um, as mm. well as here in California, and then the occasional dabble in Italy. And we tried to dabble in France, but that just never came to fruition. And then I left him um, after five and a half years, and I started my consulting business. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I own my consulting. It's Amandavi Consulting. And um, it's actually a really fun... Um, it's, a, it's a huge opportunity, but it's also a fun opportunity for me to really allow my creative juices and allow for my winemaking style to really kind of show forth with all my clients wines yeah yeah, yeah. let's talk a little bit about let's Harrow. talk more about Harrow sellers yeah because that's, okay. that's a new project it is so we actually um uh interesting enough um sonoma's hospitality's best actually acquired um the old ravenswood property off of garricky road and i was actually scouted for it and i walked on the property and i mean let's face it, how can you say no to Infandel and, um, you know, amazing Merlot from the Sonoma side, and then to top it off, um, playing with a little bit of Petite Syrah as well. And then a couple of other smaller little varietals that are in this one little block. Um, it just doesn't get any better than that. Um, but the legacy behind it is really cool as well. Um, because there's so much inspiration um, coming from Joel Peterson, the original owner and founder right. of Ravenswood, be able to walk the vineyards with him and kind of understand his where his mindset was when he was looking at planting all of this on that property. It was just really, really mind blowing. Um, and it was also enlightening as well. And I I'll, don't think I'll ever forget him. But he just looked at me and he goes, you got a lot of work to do. I'm glad you're young. And <laughs> like, oh, dear God, what did you <laughs> not telling me but the Zinfandel is unlike any other Zin that I've ever made. And I've known for making my Zinfandel. I already have my own cult Zinfandel for dark matter um, that my sisters and I own. And this is made completely different. But at the same time, those beautiful nuances from that heritage Zinfandel is just outstanding. So I can't wait. Um, I tasted it the other day and I'm really hoping we can get it in the bottle here relatively soon so we can start selling it. So we're in the final processing phases of um, working on the label design and getting that all finessed before we actually take it to the printer and start um, navigating that whole world. So I'm really excited about that. Yay. I love it. So primarily you'll be making Zinfandel or will you also be doing some other wines out of there? Yeah. So we actually have, we have Heritage Zinfandel on the property um, there okay. and then we have Merlot as well and then we have Petite Syrah so those are going to be the three branches that really come off of that property because that's what we grow there um, at Harrow Cellars then um, Sonoma's Hospitality Best also acquired Cornerstone in Sonoma and behind there there's actually a vineyard we're actively in the process we ripped out the old vines um, that were very heavily diseased and really just needed to be removed um, as stunning as they were it was time and um, 
We're actually going through the process right now, working on drainage tile. Um, We just finished the final design for that. And the idea behind that is that ground is very, very, very heavy. Uh, It holds water. So um, in the middle of June and July, when it's 100 degrees out and we dug seven feet down to do our soil pit, we still were hitting water. It was the most remarkable thing. So wow, automatically, we already knew that, you know, this area has a little bit more water density than what what I like. And it also is probably part of the reason why the vineyard was in such decline when we actually acquired it. Um, So we're planting um, the baby vines have already been ordered, and we should be getting here probably in the next two months. And we are planting um, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir there, but we're also going to have a little bit of fun and plant some Riesling. Um, the soil is amazing for Riesling. So we're going to give it a little go and we're going to have a little bit of fun with it. So we'll see. Will those be under the Harrow label as well? Yeah, yeah, okay. they will. And then um, both of our vineyards. So Harrow Cellars, the old Ravenswood property is already deemed and is organic organically run. Um, so the idea is, is that we're maintaining that organic status. And then with Cornerstone coming up, we are actually going to start transitioning and making that vineyard also organic. As oh, well. great. So I think that's really important, um, you know, because we want to be as sustainable as possible, but we also want to be able to give back to Mother Nature and respect what Mother Nature has provided us. I mean, my family hasn't, my, you know, and, and I look at it from a different standpoint. My family, you know, I come from a legacy and, you know, you're not in the wine industry for a hundred years if you don't take care of your land. Yeah. Um, You you have to make sure that you're, you know, replenishing um, and doing that uh, just last week. uh, We finally dissed the mustard, but the mustard was at least six and a half feet tall because I got lost in it. Um, (laughs) I couldn't find my dog. She ran in and it was like, I don't know, I don't know where she is, but um, it was really kind of cool to actually see that mustard grow so high. But then also know that when we disc it and we disc it back in, it's actually replenishing the soil and revitalizing the soil to prep for these baby vines coming in. Hey, tell us a little bit about your sisters, what you guys are doing with Dark Matter and Aloft. And- yeah, um, my sisters and I own two brands, um, Dark Matter Wines and then Aloft Wines. And they're predominantly coming from vineyards that we actually own. My sisters and I, our family owns 850 acres here in Napa Valley. Um, and of those 850, in addition to my mom and dad actually have a 20 acre parcel. And then my sisters and I have a two acre parcel up in Howe Mountain. So it's all Howe Mountain fruit, except for Chenin Blanc. We're sourcing our Chenin Blanc from Pope Valley, um, from 75 year old vines. Um, and I'm really, really fortunate to get my hands on and really, I feel very lucky that I'm able to get my hands on it. Um, and uh, the rest of it is all red. So Zinfandel um, and Cabernet Sauvignon are, are really our main focus. Yum. Do you do, you do straight up uh, Chenin Blanc? Do you mix anything with it? Any no, everything that I make for the Mondavi Sisters collection is 100%. Oh, cool. Wow. I had to try some of that. That's yeah, so when we're, when we're doing, you know, when you taste our Zinfandel, it's 100% Zinfandel. When you're tasting our Cabernet, it's 100% Cabernet. Um, we are rolling out with a Petit Verdot, 100%. Um, that we actually oh, wow. have mountain, which I'm really excited about. And then we are actually working on a new project that's coming out that'll be all solely large formats. And it's a combination between our two Hell Mountain vineyards that we source our Cabernets from. And it is, oh my gosh, 
The it's one of the best wines I think I've ever made. It's going to be our only blend and we're only going to do it on great years. And um, I'm really excited about it, but we'll probably roll that out. My guess is probably 2024. Um, because we got hammered in the fires yeah. Um, this year. We didn't lose anything, but um, the smoke taint was so severe, especially for our Zinfandel um, vines, that we chose to, we had no other choice but to basically drop it on the ground. Um, we tried to do some salvaging. Um, I tried to do barbecue sauce, and that was an epic fail and stunk my house. <laughs> we'll never try that ever again. <laughs> I give you credit for trying getting clever. Wow. But it's really hard when you know you're dropping, you know, two anywhere yeah. between two and a half to $30 million worth of fruit on the ground. It's, yeah. it's a tough pill to swallow. Um, oh, man. Yeah. yeah. I actually got a chance to taste your fourth leaf. That's um, just what I was going to ask about. You do that with your cousin, Rob. Yeah, Is my, that right? Okay. Yeah, my cousin, Rob. Um, we were in business together for just shy of 10 years. We have since um, actually closed that business. Um, both Rob and myself are going in so many different directions. It made a lot of sense for us to honor what we already have um, mm -hmm. and focus a little bit less on that project for right now. Mm -hmm. it's a sad, it's sad but we both kind of needed to <laughs> yeah yeah where where yeah. was that fruit from just I'm, um 50 was from their atlas property that um that they no longer own they've actually sold it since and then the other 50 percent was from my mom and dad's property uh, up on the mountain so it's all mountain fruit um but you're really you know, you have two totally different personalities from the Atlas Peak, which has that very vibrant red raspberry vibrant acid. And then you have Howl Mountain that has bigger, the same amount of tannins, but just a little bit more finessed and a little bit softer in style, but a little bit more of those blueberry and blackberry notes. Mm. Boy, it's so delicious. Wow. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's not, it's a little early for wine, but when you start talking about it, you can't help but <laughs> Right. Mm, what am I going to drink know. tonight? <laughs> I know. I, I have to go back to something. I really liked what you said about, you mentioned this in the beginning, you know, you guys are really taking on some, some sustainable measures, but that idea of like, you don't have a legacy for a hundred years if you're not taking care of your land. And I think you had talked about some other things that you were doing, you know, on the properties that you're now acquiring and going forth with. What are some other things? I know you talked about the mustards and then the organic, but I always think people have a lot of questions about what does it mean to be organic? What does it mean to be sustainable? Yeah, I think, you know, first and foremost is giving back to Mother Nature. Um, whenever I think about sustainability, it's how can we preserve our Mother Nature that we already are dealing with and having, um, whether it's in the soil or you know, if you have a vineyard that's next to a creek, being mindful and making sure that, you know, you're not, you know, using pesticides that could potentially leach into that, into that water system. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, using minimal, you know, pesticides, but pesticides that really are right. You know, we no longer are really using glycosophate anywhere here in California, for the most part, it's next to near impossible to find it now. Um, and I, yeah. And I think, um, you know, when you start incorporating um, certain things and making sure and doing some more of the minimalistic approaches, um, I find that the vines tend to be a little bit more balanced and a little less austere. Um, they just seem mm. happier. So right now, really, you know, with the vineyard that we have, you know, just making sure that, you know, we have that beautiful balance in, in the vines and making sure that, you know, clusters per shoot 
are even and everything is really balanced and healthy, um, I think is first and foremost. Um, but we're also, you know, starting to incorporate some other things um, between raptor box, box, raptor rails, excuse me, and then owl boxes and bluebird boxes. Those will start um, coming in um, to into fruition here relatively soon. Um, at Harrow Cellars, we don't necessarily need all that because we have beautiful trees in the background that they already nest in. So there's really no reason to bring them down into the vineyard because they're already monitoring the vineyard. Um, it's really kind of cool if you get there first thing in the morning, and I'm sure you guys have seen it. Um, some of the hawks that have come down and are picking up the little varmints um, that are running around. Um, so it's really kind of cool to actually see you know, mother nature kind of work full circle, really. Um, and then we're, you know, we're focusing on Sonoma's Hospitality Fest is really focusing on we hired an organic farmer. Um, his name's Landy, and he's absolutely amazing. But he is growing all the, everything for folk table, as well as all the other restaurants and, and catering. But in turn, being able to kind of talk with him a little bit more to try to figure out how we can utilize some of our cover crops because part of our cover crops, we use snap peas in there. We use legumes. I mean, there's all this sorts of stuff that we can actually utilize um, as long as we're organic. And then who knows, maybe eventually we'll go biodynamic. I'm still trying to figure out the vineyard and figure out, um, you know, what's best for it. Last year was the first harvest that I actually made wine from it. So I'm still learning the lace of the land um, on that property to really find out what's going to be the best and most appropriate for it. That's so exciting, man. That's, That's awesome. You, mentioning Harrow Cellars, where, I think Lou might have told me this, and now I can't remember, but where the name is derived from, Harrow Cellars. Yeah. It's really interesting. I remember it being a very interesting story. Or yeah, well, back in the day, the way that they would actually disc the ground is actually, you know, walking behind a horse, and you see it still today in France um, with the very, very narrow rows. And they actually take a harrow, and a harrow will actually drill a spike down the back and of the ground, and it'll actually rip up that ground. Um, when I was talking with the owners. Um, they already kind of had an idea and they told me and I was like, wow, I actually really love it because it, it really takes the whole story full circle, focusing on, you know, the organics of, of the property and focusing on intentionally, you know, giving back to mother nature. Um, and we're kind of working on something else. Um, we're working on our wastewater management system and it's going to be, oh, wow. um, we are designing it right now. Um, but it is using, um, earthworms. Um, to recycle our our wastewater that we're using from the winery. Um, and I'm really excited about that too, because that allows us to be able to actually give back that gray water back to the vineyards without harming anything and without instilling any chemicals. So I think, you know, all that, when you start factoring all that in, it really plays a huge force. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. That's fascinating. Who knew earthworms could like? Well, yeah. now now I got something to go fishing with too. You know, <laughs> you know the other the other cool thing about the concept is the amount of electricity that we actually have to use is very very minimal. So if we lose power or we have a power outage, the worms will still be working, um, and that's really kind of fascinating <laughs> and kind of cool as well. So you know we're saving on electricity as well. 
Um, there's so many different factors and so many different layers that kind of go into this whole system that I, when I saw it and when I was learning about it, um, and I've been reading about it for a few years because our families looked into it as well. Um, we're just too big because we would probably require like 40 million worms um, to, to, do, to do ours. It's a um, lot of worms. It's a lot of worms. So, um, but when you actually look at the whole, when you look at the whole thing, and then you actually see the water actually coming out on the other end, and it's almost darn near crystal clear. It's the most mind-boggling thing to actually see. So it's like I don't recall any other wastewater coming out that color and that clean. Uh, so, really cool. Wow. It, yeah. Um, I still want to check that out because that just fascinates me. <laughs> That's, that's, I love it. I love it, love it, love it. You know, um, what, what is your, don't you, aren't you going to be doing some things with Sojourn? Um, yeah, I'm, I don't do the day to day. Um, I just get to work closely with, I get to work closely with Eric, their winemaker, um, at Sojourn. Mm -hmm. And what's really cool is when we get Harrow Cellars up and running, Sojourn will actually be moving into Harrow Cellars. And we'll be actually utilizing the entire facility together. It makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm really excited about that because there's going to be two different winemaking um, winemakers, myself and then Eric, and working in tandem with each other, but also helping each other kind of have some fun. I get to learn a little bit more about, you know, the uniqueness of Pinot Noir and Sonoma um, from Eric. And then in turn, I'm hoping to, you know, be able to work with him on, Cabernets that are from coming from Napa Valley. So yeah, combination will be kind of fun and, and really intriguing. And, um, you know, it's just a solid wine brand. So I'm really excited, excited that they're part of our portfolio now. Yeah. And we're, we're crazy about Eric. We think we, we really think he's a great winemaker. He's so mellow. I love it. How mellow he is. Yeah. He's chill, isn't he? Yeah. It's so great. I got woof. My brain's you just got, You've got a brain. lot of projects. I don't know how you keep track of all the things you're working on. You're doing a lot of different things. Yeah, I stay busy. I like to stay busy. <laughs> I guess so. And you are a fellow dog lover. You did mention your, your dog, and we all have dogs. And you have a new puppy coming. I have a new puppy. Her name's Shannon. I pick her up. Um, my dad and I drive. Shannon. Yeah. <laughs> my dad and I drive to Montana. We leave on um, Sunday. And then uh, we'll be back on Wednesday um, with her. So we'll see. We'll see exactly how Bailey. Bailey, my older one, um, my Fox Red Lab, is. she's almost eight. So it's time to uh -huh. bring in a little one to hopefully keep this one younger i'm hoping mm -hmm. we shall mm -hmm. see i'm i'm less worried about the dog i'm more worried about my cat that doesn't really adjust <laughs> that well, but you know me all will figure it out yeah she, she'll uh she'll she'll alpha up on him pretty quick oh yeah. i can guarantee you and I'm, I'm pretty certain it'll be interesting i don't i think they're going to be about the same size so i'm i, I know for a fact me all going to be all over that puppy and put it put put it in its place right yeah. away. Yeah. So I have to ask. I know we don't want to take up too much more of your time, but like I'd love to know what's your favorite wine or favorite wine experience or favorite wine to drink. Oh my god, have one! I know that's a. <laughs> um, I mean, when it comes to what I drink, I'm kind of all over the board, um, and it really just has to do with kind of my mood. Um, yeah. right now I'm usually drinking, I prefer, I love to start with either a Chardonnay or Sauvignon Blanc. 
And then I usually morph into the big reds. I, I'm a huge tab lover and I love Pinot Noir. I don't, my dad loves Pinot Noir more than I do. So he usually is the one that's drinking the Pinot and I'm the one that's usually drinking the cab. Um, you know, it's our family. We can never like actually drink the same bottle of wine. <laughs> it always just works out that way. Um, but I actually, you know, I'm really having a lot of fun since now that I'm kind of making wine over in Sonoma for two clients um, and some of the other competitors and, and neighbors around us just to see what they're doing and, and kind of figure out what their profiles are and see who's successful at what and, and who might be missing the mark. Um, you know, just doing a little bit more market research is kind of what I feel like I've been doing a little bit more of. Um, but I try not to do it on the weekends. I try to leave the weekends for myself where I don't really have to talk about wine and I don't have to too too much other than potentially hosting a few tastings. Nice. Good, nice. good. Got to have that, keep that balance as best you can. Exactly. Is there anything else you want to chat about, Angeline? Anything else you want to share with us? Well, I'm hoping we're going to be, I'm hoping to be bottling by I'm hoping to be bottling everything or most of our stuff by August, but um, okay. it's still kind of up in the air. We're still working on, you know, getting everything, you know, getting all of our ducks in a row, so to speak. Um, so I'm not so pressured about it, but at least by 2022, we, everything will be rolled out as far as all of our wines that we're making. That's um, I'm really excited about that. So chances are we'll probably be seeing it at Folk Table as well as um, through the caterers as well, or cater the catering. Um, mm -hmm. uh, for the weddings and the events that hopefully we'll be holding here one day. Right. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Right. Right. And did I hear too? You're going to be reopening the tasting room at Ravenswood. Will that also be something in the future? Yep. I'm. We're looking at. I'm really looking at probably 2023. Um, is kind of more when I'm looking. Um, I'm hoping for 2022, but I'm. Everything has kind of been tilted on its head right now. So I am learning to just go with the flow and figure out, you know, okay, what can we do while we're in limbo and waiting for, you know, responses? Um, so, um, but yes, eventually we will be opening the tasting room and we've got some great ideas um, that I'm really excited about. So um, it'll be, it'll be really awesome once we, once, once everything's really open. I can't wait. I mean, I loved it as Ravenswood tasting. It just has such a great view. It, you can't really go wrong with it. So I can't wait to, till it's open again to visit. Yeah, it's such, it, you know, when you're sitting there, it has this theory. I don't know. There's something that takes over your entire body and your soul on that place. Yep. I've had to go early in the morning at like six o'clock um, so I can beat the heat. And I just sit on the living roof and just watch the sunrise. I mean, it's, there's nothing more breathtaking than that. And, wow. you know, just kind of seeing some of the uniqueness of what, you know, Sonoma Valley really has. Um, because Sonoma Valley in and of itself is just as beautiful and as unique as Napa Valley. So um, so I'm really enjoying getting to, getting to know Sonoma a little bit more intimately um, uh -huh. in, in that world. Um, but also, you know, getting to meet all the neighbors. There's so many people that hike around there. It's insane. So I'm always meeting someone new um, every time I pull up and drive in. Oh, so yeah, it's always kind of comical. Yeah. yeah. 
You probably. Sonoma's definitely got that community feel, like, and everyone sort of, well, where that's located is right in the heart of the Sonoma community. So I bet you'll keep meeting a lot of new people. <laughs> Most definitely. And people have been really, really nice and, you know, asking me where I came from because obviously my license plate has wine on it. So um, <laughs> I can't really run and hide so, so easily. Um, but it's actually been really kind of neat and, and it's awesome, you know, getting to meet the neighbors and kind of chit chatting with them a little bit because obviously they want to know what's kind of going on and, and all that sort of stuff. And, and I think it'll be really exciting once, once we see a little bit more activity kind of starting and, and the development kind of happening, um, it's going to be really exciting. I'm just, again, I had no idea all the different things you've been doing and it's been so fun to get to chat with you. Thank and you. hear more about what's coming and what's coming to Sonoma. Lou, you have any other uh, questions? I, you know, I'm really fired up. I, I know you've probably run into uh, Sonia and Crush walking. That's where she walks every day. She hikes up that mountain. And I haven't, uh, seen, I haven't seen her yet. <laughs> all right, well, she, she'll keep an eye out for you. You but, can you can uh, meet Crush, and Crush can go run with uh, your new pup. They'll yeah, I'm, I'm, actually, active. I'm actually surprised Crush and Bailey haven't met yet. Yeah, me too. I, it's, it's actually shocking to me that those two haven't bumped bumped into each other. But they're both labs; they're easygoing and. Yeah. <laughs> 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 for sure. Well, I'm excited. You know, it's our backyard and I'm seeing everything just, just come out like you are, you know, seeing this form, but I just love what you and uh, the Sonoma best group are doing and your commitments. And yeah, I really, I, I just really want to thank you. And I'm glad you're feeling better from your knee and everything. And uh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no more crutches. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I hear you. Uh, we'll, we'll have to get together for a glass of wine soon, man. Absolutely. uh, Yeah. 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 So uh, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. It was such a pleasure. And I hope I get to meet you one of the next times I'm back in Sonoma. So it would be awesome. We'll all have a glass of wine together. Absolutely. I would love that. Man, I can't. I just can't thank Angeline enough. What a fantastic <laughs> person and how fun was it to hang out with her? We I wish we I hope we get to do this in person with her. Oh, it was me too. it was so great but doing it remotely like I'm so ready to sit down and have a glass of wine with her and try I'm looking forward to Harrow Cellars and the wine t- they're going to release. Meredith, I had her first leaf a bottle of her first leaf. She's incredible. I can't wait to taste those wines. And we all we got to do is just walk across the backyard to get them. It's going to be great. Yeah. You're <laughs> going to be able to watch the full production from yeah. beginning to end. Yeah. Well, hey, share the exciting announcement. All right. Drum, Drum roll. We are so excited to announce the winner of the Corvin, Wilna Wheeler. Congratulations from Washington State. We are so excited. We'll be emailing you and sending out to get the information of where to send that Corvin to you. And we want to see photos of where how you're using that Corvin. Yeah, we do. We want to see the wine that you're going to first use with that. We, we would love it. And by the way, guys, anybody that would, we'd love to see videos of you guys drinking our wines in cool places where you're listening to the podcast. We'd love to have that content just yeah. to... 
kind of reflect on who all's out there. Yeah, we love hearing from our listeners. And, you know, although season four is coming to a close, stay tuned, though. We want summer. Summer should be fun. It should be simple. It should be fun. And we might... We have some plans. We to do came some up with some cool ideas episodes. here this week. Yeah. Yeah. So stay tuned again. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Also, make sure you subscribe and like our podcast so you'll always be, if anything comes out, you'll be the first to get it. And come see us in Sonoma. We'd love to see you. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.